listening to The Jim Laird Show on Body IO FM, where health and performance collide with your host, Jim Laird. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Jim Laird Show brought to you by Body IO FM. I am your host, Jim Laird. Well, it's late on a Sunday evening. It's actually the day after my birthday. My birthday was April 7th, and I turned 43 this year. So I had a fun fun weekend, and um, thought I'd hop around here and do a show. If you're interested in learning more about me and my background, I've covered some of this stuff in my previous shows. I just did a show with Mike Robertson on his physical preparation podcast that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed being on his show. And Mike's been on, on this show before, and he's been a big influence on me. If you want to check that out, we'll put a link to that show in the show notes. So if you want to check that out, you can and get a little bit more on my history and my career and all that stuff and a little bit about my powerlifting endeavors. Um, we got a question uh, today from John. And John asks, uh, how do I get my wife to stop running marathons? He states that he saw You Can't Serve Two Masters, a blog that uh, Suzanne did several years ago, been a while back now, uh, about how we, you know, have transitioned her from marathon running into a fairly high-level powerlifter and her body transformation from, you know, running marathons to doing strength training and then into powerlifting. And uh, he was curious about, about advice I would give him to get his wife to stop marathon running. And, you know, this is an interesting discussion. Um, you know, I've trained a lot of couples over the years and I deal a lot with parents that come in here that are frustrated with their kids. And, you know, it's kind of this misconception, you know, I, I'm not a fan uh, if someone really likes running marathons, like people do things all the time that aren't necessarily ideal for health. And there was this kick, you know, in the, back in the, the 70s and 80s that, you know, running marathons was superior for your cardiovascular health. And just like anything else, just like powerlifting or any other sport, there's, there's you know, consequences. And... You know, the advice I would give to this gentleman is if your wife loves running, um, let her run. Like, you can't make somebody quit doing something that that uh, they like to do. Now, Suzanne, when she came to me, she was very upset with what was going on with her body. And she started running marathons because she thought it would be a good way to get rid of baby weight after she had a couple children. And she realized that, you know, the more she ran, uh, you know, she couldn't control her appetite and, and it just was not giving her the body that she wanted. And that happens a lot. I get people that come in and they're like, I'm running all the time or I'm doing spinning class or whatever they're doing. Um, they don't like what's happening to them. And that's when I suggest I kind of educate them on the benefits of strength training with walking and, you know, maybe doing a little light light running, you know, under 5k type stuff a couple times a week. But they have to want to 
you know, they have to be frustrated. They have to be in a place where they want to actually change and they're open to suggestions. So what I suggest to couples or to families that, that are not pleased with where someone's going is lead by example. Don't worry about the other person. Worry about yourself. So lift some weights, eat good food, set a good example. It happens a lot with, uh, with parents that bring their kids in here that are frustrated. Their kids don't go to bed. They stay up late. They don't eat good food. And I ask the parents, like, okay, so what's your diet like? Uh, when do you go to bed? Or are you, are you leading by example? So, you know, if you're taking care of yourself and you're lifting weights and, and you're in good shape, you know, eventually your significant other is going to look at you and go, hey, you know, um, you've done really well. How about, you know, what, what advice would you give me? <clears throat> That's kind of the situation where you want to be in. You don't want to, you can't change somebody else. Um, you know, especially in a marriage type situation. I've never been married, so I, I be careful what advice. But just from my observation of couples, I always tell if I've got one couple that's really, one person that, you know, one, the spouse is really into working out and the other one isn't. I just said, just lead by example. Don't be like ultra religious about it. Um, eat good food, you know, <clears throat> and eventually, you know, that person's either going to resent you <laughs> or um, they're going to ask for your help or they're going to start kind of going along with you. And, you know, especially with parents of, of teenagers, you know, if you're staying up till, you know, midnight on your phone or on your computer doing work, your kid sees you doing that. Your kid is kind of like monkey see, monkey do. So if you've got children um, or, if, you know, with a spouse, you want to, you do your thing. You, you lead by example. And then, you know, the kids will be like, oh, well, mom and dad eat good. And mom and dad, you know, they turn the screens off at nine o'clock. And, you know, hopefully they start. You know, obviously with children, it's, it's totally you know, up to the parents. They set the rules. They pay the bills so they can, they can do what they want. But <clears throat> it's much easier for a parent uh, from what I've observed, and in my opinion, um, to act as an authority if they are also, you know, if if the parent is telling the kid to eat, you know, salmon and broccoli, and the parent's eating a pizza, um, that's not uh, <laughs> that's not going to go over very well. So, you know, in these kind of situations. Uh, it's always best to lead by example. And then, you know, if you do, if, if your wife, this gentleman that, that wrote in, if, if his wife is frustrated and then she comes to you with help, then you can give, you know, like that article about Suzanne or you can, you know, Kiefer wrote an article about women and running and why they shouldn't run long distances and what it does to their metabolism and, and all that good stuff. Um, if they ask for help, then you can offer information, but you can't impose your will uh, on somebody else that that's just not not going to work long term um, that's going to end up causing some some major tension um, sort of sort of thing so and, and and that's a big misconception people think that you know when people come in here I've helped plenty of runners improve their running times you know by uh, adding GPP that doesn't involve running either you know I'm a big fan of having people that love running marathons I like having them put a uh, life jacket on having them run in the pool you know have a couple technical runs during the week where they're working on running technique and they're working on a little bit faster running and then they use other things like 
you know, the rowing machine or, you know, stair, stair climber, like the real stair climber that actually, you know, the stairs move. Um, what's the Versa climber, prowler pushing, doing some strength training, cross training. So you can, you know, if you do it well and smart, you can actually, you know, run a couple marathons a year and do it in a smart way where you're just not running and running and running and running and running and running. And you're having, you know, seasons where you run less and seasons where you run more. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of different ways to skin a cat. So if somebody wants to um, run marathons, it can be done in a, in a smarter way that's healthier. And, and then also you can work on the diet, you know, so that, you know, a lot of people, you're like, I just ran, you know, eight miles. So I'm going to have, you know, a pizza and four beers, you know, and it doesn't really equal out. Um, so educating on nutrition and, and rest and sleep and all that stuff. But, you know, most of the women that come in here, you know, if I show them a picture of an elite marathon runner and a picture of like a volleyball player, most of the, like a good volleyball player, most of the women are going to pick the volleyball player as the body they would want to more look like. And of course, genetics play a role in that. Some people are naturally really, really skinny, no matter what they do. And some people hold a little more fat naturally, but, you know, strength training is uh, a great way to improve what you already have genetically. It just makes you a better version of whatever you are genetically, whether you're long and tall or more curvy. It's going to, you know, accentuate what you already are. If you're gorilla, you're not going to look like a giraffe. And if you're a giraffe, you're not going to look like a gorilla. Like, you know, there's no way I'm going to be long and lanky. That's just not, no matter what I did in my program, um, it's just not going to change my body structure. So you got to look into that as well. What type of body structure and, and that too, you know, like, like Suzanne, for example, she was like a track athlete in high school and did sprinting and things like that. So she's, you know, wired genetically to lift things explosively. And it, it shows in her, in her strength training, she's very, very explosive. Um, so, so now she's doing a sport that lines up a little bit more with the way she's wired you know, and some people are wired for endurance activities. So it's a matter of finding what somebody's happy doing and, um, and then, you know, finding, uh, the best way to do that for them, uh, so they can do it in a healthy way. Now I will say this, most of the women that I've worked with that were running marathons because they thought it was good for their health or it was a great way to lose body fat. Once you educated them on yeah, this isn't probably the most efficient way to do this. There's, you know, better things like strength training that you can do that take less time um, where you'll get more, more results up from it. So that would be my advice. If you're in a situation where you're not very happy with what your significant other or somebody in your family is doing, just worry, focus on yourself and take care of yourself. Don't be a, don't be an, uh, an asshole about it. And, you know, just, accept where the other person is and then hopefully over time they'll come around but trying to force a significant other or a family member into doing something is not a good long-term strategy and then carrie uh wrote in and carrie was like um you know i've been looking online and, and seeing all these women lifting weights and powerlifting and stuff and i want to start doing that you know, how do you start off a beginner well, that is a 
That is a question that we could be here for a whole month talking about. The answer is it depends. Some people catch on to things really, really quickly. Uh, some people who've had a good athletic background that you know grew up on farms or did manual labor will come in and they will pick up like a hinge pattern where they can keep their rib cage and their belly button in a straight line and their head in a neutral position and they can pick something up and they can do it perfectly on the first day. Other people can't and other people, it takes them months, years, you know, to even develop the ability to hinge. Some people just don't hinge well and you have to work around that. You can pull sumo, you can pull from blocks. Um, but basically when we first bring somebody in, uh, and most of the most of the women that come in, their goal is just to look better and feel better. And we we start them off with basic stuff: bear crawl holds. Um, it depends on the person. Lots of floor warm up stuff. Um, you know, some people will need you to use a broomstick to help you teach them hinge. Some people will need to do what's called a pull through. But there's there's all sorts of great resources out there. The first thing you have to do as a beginner if you want a power lift is you have to learn how to brace circumferentially. And I've talked about this in the past, that 360 brace creating pressure all the way around your canister. Um, and for most people, I tell them to either, if they're wearing a belt, push into the back of the belt or create tension in the sides. You don't want to like necessarily flex the front. You want to exhale a little bit, get your rib cage in a good position. And you want to breathe into that and you want to brace your sides. The sides of the show uh, or the go that's the the where you get your power from and the front is the sh more like show so if you flex your stomach like you flex your abs in the front a lot of times that'll make you go into interior pelvic tilt or into extension which will end up using your spine to get your stability if you create a th pressure all the way around the canister with your rib cage in a good position that's going to give you the best leverage and the best all-round power for squatting and deadlifting so you know, it's there. There's all sorts of um, information out there, and I'll try and find some. Some like Tony Genicor has written some good articles on basic deadlifting stuff. Eric Cressy has. Mike Robertson has. It's kind of Chris Duffin has written some good stuff on bracing. But basically, you want to be um, really good at body weight stuff, general strength stuff. You know, things like push ups and lunges and step ups and all that kind of stuff while you're working on building technique on the big lifts um, and, and learning how to lift as efficiently as possible. And, and something that a really good program for, for beginners is, you know, starting off with sets of 10 on everything for a couple of weeks, do three or four sets of 10, add a little bit of weight each time, do that for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, and then progressing into something like, 531 by Jim Windler, which, you know, you would find approximate where your, your max would be, and then take 90% of that. And then you would use that as your training max. And then you would basically do, you know, five reps, sets of five reps for the first, um, the first week. And it goes, I think it's 65, 75, 85%. Um, and the second week it's three, and the third week it's one with different percentages. And then they have what you call uh, a joker set at the end where you do as many as you could in the last week. And that, that's basically how 
you know, I take when people first start, I do that. But generally, I don't, I've used the rep set in the past, but I've generally gone to doing uh, with, with beginners multiple sets. Like, for example, um, on the first week, 65, 75, 85. So, you know, say you have, say your, your squat number is 100 pounds you're working off of as your, your 90% of your heavy, your heaviest squat. <clears throat> Instead of doing a full out all rep set with that last week, that 85%, you go, you know, 65% for five, 75 for five, 85 for five. I will have them do three sets of five at 85. And then if those sets are good, like say the first set is, uh, so that would be out of a hundred pounds, I'd be 85. So if that looked good, I might put a two and a half on there, 90. If that looks good, maybe go to 95 and then call it a day. So I found that it, add, it to add those extra working sets at the end is better than having one all out set where, um, you know, you're doing all this weight. Cause you can have a woman who could squat, you know, a hundred pounds for 20 and then you put 10 pound more pounds on the bar if she's a beginner and she, it crushes her. So by having a little wiggle room on that last set, it allows you to adjust, you know, taking little jumps. And then the next week you go to threes and then you would do like three sets of three with your highest percentage. And then the last, the last week is you would go to ones, you know, you go, you know, five, three, one, and, and it would end up being 95% of your training max, which what you're using 95, 90% was a hundred. So it ended up being 95 pounds, which is significantly below your max, but it's getting you used to lifting heavier weights. So you would do three singles starting with 95. And if that looked good, we'd go to a hundred. And if that looked good, we might go 105 and we might stay there for two singles or so. And that's basically how I've adjusted things. And then you do, you take a week where you, you just squat lighter weights and kind of take a break. If you, if you Google five, three, one, Jim Winler, it pulls up the whole thing. Um, but that's basically how you would work that. Uh, and over time we change as the lifter matures and as the lifter uh, gets stronger, I kind of changed the, the program up a little bit, but you could run five, three, one for probably, um, you know, at least a year before you'd need to change to anything else. Um, but you know, I, I generally don't do, I'll do the, the squat bench and deadlift with the five, three, one. I generally don't do the overhead press, uh, with most of the girls. I do landmine presses, dumbbell presses. I do an extra upper body day instead of doing the overhead press. Um, it's just easier that way. And it's just women need more upper body hypertrophy. Uh, and it's just a lot, just a lot better on the shoulders and, and the low back. Most people that do strict barbell presses will really arch their low back to try and get the bar over their head. And, you know, with most of the people I have that, that don't have the experience of, you know, lifting weights overhead, we can get much faster results using like a landmine press. And that's just my personal preference as a coach. Um, you know, if you want to do overhead press, you can, I would just make sure that you can keep your body in a good position when you do that. So you could run that for, for six months or whatever. And, and once your deadlift starts getting up to 300 pounds 
and your squat gets you know close to 200 then then you might want to start changing some things around and what i what i really like to do with the girls that have been with me for you know six seven years now that are you know lifting significant amounts of weight is you know run something like a five three one where you know you squat for fives one week and in that week um they would do uh, you know, we like to flip between, we do, you know, fives on the squat, fives on the bench, and then basically do a deadlift where they'd pull anywhere between eight and 12 singles with anywhere between 65 and 75%. So it's more of like a speed uh, deadlift, but you don't really need to do anything like that until you can at least deadlift 300 pounds. Um, it gives you a break so you're not doing a heavy squat and a heavy deadlift in the same week. Um, but as a beginner, that's not going to matter because you're not going to be able to lift enough to really make a difference. And then it allows you to work on technique where I'd have them pull one and then rest for, you know, five to ten seconds, pull another, and they'd pull that all in a row. Um, and then we can do things like pull a chain, a single with chains to, to, to create you know, uh, a little bit heavier weight at the top. So they learn how to strain a little bit. And of course, on all these days, we're doing accessory work for that lift after the lift. And, um, then the next week, what would happen is, is you would basically squat for singles with, with a basically somewhere between 65 and 75%. And then bench, we would do a repetition day because the most, most of the girls that, that, that I work with have never benched before. They've never lifted weights before they're brand new. So they need lots of dumbbell presses and push-ups and rows, and they need to put on as much muscle as they possibly can. So we do like an upper body repetition day. And then that next week of deadlift, you would pull your fives, you know. And then the next week after that, it would be, uh, you know, squats for threes. And then, uh, you know, we would bench for threes, and then we would pull for speed again. And then it would just flop, and then we'd, go, you know, just keep flip-flopping. And then we'd take a little break, um, maybe do some strong man stuff, strong girl stuff, whatever, uh, just kind of mix it up like that. And then, of course, when you're getting ready for meets and stuff like that, you need to change it up because they need to, to peak and they need to lift higher percentages. But, you know, a lot of it with women is doing as much, you know, bodybuilding type stuff as possible. Um, you know, in between our squat sets, we're doing dumbbell presses. In between our, our deadlift sets, we're doing dumbbell presses and pull downs and all sorts of different things uh, because, you know, for most women that have never lifted before, we got to put on as much muscle as we possibly can. And it's, it's very difficult for most average women to put on a significant amount of muscle mass. Most women don't realize how difficult it is to put on. They think they're just going to lift like a 15 pound dumbbell and all of a sudden they're going to be jacked, you know, and, and that just doesn't, that just doesn't happen. Um, you know, women could put on a significant amount of muscle mass, but it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of, a lot of hard work. Um, if I were you, I would try and find somebody in your area that can help you. Um, there's a lot of great online resources out there and, and I'll try and find uh, a couple like juggernaut uh, training systems, Chad Wesley Smith and uh, Max Akita, Akita, uh, probably butchered that, but that's okay. They have some excellent um, information on YouTube, like the four pillars of deadlift, the four pillars of squat, the four pillars of bench press. That would be a really good place 
for you to start. But uh, you just remember that all these people that you see on Instagram, um, like uh, Marissa Enda, who's um, Chad Wesley Smith's girlfriend, um, you know, was a gymnast. So she already had a ton of strength. And then she went into figure uh, and bodybuilding type stuff. So she'd already lifted a ton. And then she got into powerlifting. And one of the reasons she's so good at powerlifting and she's world champion is because of the amount of repetition work and the amount of body weight strength that she has. So, you know, if you're looking to get into powerlifting, you know, as a woman, um, you're going to have to do a lot of bodybuilding type training and a lot of uh, body weight, you know, push-ups and, you know, start slow and, and get yourself doing pull-ups and things like that. That that general strength, you know, even pushing heavy prowlers and things like that in the beginning is going to help carry over. That general strength is going to help carry over into the specific strength of deadlifting and squatting and, and bench pressing. Those things are the are the sport-specific um uh, attributes, you know, that, that what you're performing in, but if you don't have a good general strength base going in, if you've never lifted weights before, um, carries, bear crawls, prowler pushes, those kind of things are going to really help you have enough general strength so you can apply it in a specific way, uh, in the form of, of powerlifting. So I hope that helped you guys, uh, and hopefully helped some of the people that are listening. Um, and once again, thank you for, for tuning in. We'll keep this one nice and short and, uh, I hope you guys, uh, are doing well. And also thanks again for the questions and thanks for all the great feedback. And I hope you get a chance to listen to that Mike Robertson, uh, interview I did, uh, on his show, because I think it's, uh, I think you'll be interested in that. It's, it's pretty good. I, I was very pleased with it and I had a lot of fun doing it. So have a have a wonderful day, week, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this. And once again, thank you for listening to the Jim Laird Show, brought to you by Body IOFM. And please continue to support Kiefer and his endeavors so I can continue to do this show. You've been listening to the Jim Laird Show with your host, Jim Laird. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. Don't miss the next episode of the Jim Laird Show, when he'll probably say something inappropriate, but unexpectedly insightful.